0: Miller, thank you for your uh, kind introduction. I didn't appreciate the bit, though, where you say I carry a lot of weight. I thought that was harsh. <laughs> there was no need for that. No need at all. What a privilege to be with you this morning. I, um, over the last five, six years, I've had the privilege of speaking in thousands of churches around the UK. It's one of the privileges of the role I've got. And I say every time what a privilege it is to be with you, because uh, it is always a privilege to speak in these churches it's a privilege to bring my kids because they get to experience lots of different types of church but it's a privilege as well to be able to have some time on your stage it's not one I take lightly it's always a privilege to speak in churches but there's some churches where it feels a particular privilege where, where I feel blessed to be here and this morning Joe and I and the kids we've been really blessed by you I've been in bits two or three times already this morning just with some of the words you've given me and the encouragement and some of the beautiful safe family stories that are happening here now. I'm so grateful to you. I'm deeply grateful. I'm grateful for all of the ways that you've supported safe families and you've supported Camilla with your time, with your prayers, and with your finances. Please, if you hear nothing else this morning, hear that. I am extremely grateful and I bring the gratitude uh, of our chief executive, Kat Osborne, and the senior leadership team. Uh, They all share their thanks through me this morning. Bless you and thank you. Good morning to you. Good morning if you're online. I heard uh, a speaker recently say, good morning if you're watching online. Don't watch online. This is about taking part and if wherever you are this morning, you are here to take part and be with us. Bless you wherever you are this morning. I want to read from Ephesians 3 this morning. Ephesians 3 14 to 21. If you've got your Bible, please find that. While you're looking for it, let me just set it in a little bit of context. Ephesians 3 14 to 21. So, book of Ephesians, it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul. Um, the thinking is it's around 60 AD, and Paul's in prison in Rome. And he's writing to the different churches that he's been associated with from his prison cell. And so this letter to the Ephesians is is one of those letters, Ephesus in modern-day Turkey. And so in chapter 3, he's about to start sharing this incredible mystery with these people, a mystery that's not been revealed before now. And the mystery is this, that while previously the Jews... And the Gentiles were separate. Now through Christ Jesus, they are becoming one. And so the whole book is around unity and some things that hold that unity together. And I want to pick up on one of the things that allows that to happen. Let me read it for us. Let just unlock my Bible. There we are. So this is Ephesians 3 Verse 14. So I've said it's about revealing the mystery that Christ is bringing together the Jews and the Gentiles. And he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, and this is my prayer for you, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp, to grasp even this morning, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can mask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Wow, there's some truth in there for us, isn't there? If we get into what some of those pastors are saying, man, there's some powerful truth in there. And if we were to look through all those truth statements, it would take us a year to do. We haven't got a year, we've got about 20 minutes. Where's the clock? At the back. Yeah, we've got about 20 minutes. And so what I'd like to do is just pick out five words that sit in the middle of that passage, which I think brings light to the whole thing. The simple gospel, we sang it before. I want to bring five words. The simple gospel from that passage, in which all of that passage In fact, I would suggest the whole of Scripture, the whole of the Gospel, the whole of creation, I think, pivots on these five words. And then we're going to explore what those five words perhaps mean to us. Verse 17. Rooted and established in love. If you're taking notes this morning, that's your title. Rooted and established in love. And what I'd like to do is just pick out three hallmarks of what it means to be rooted and established in love. I want to talk us about being confident in our condition, compelled to compassion, and committed to our calling. What does it mean to be rooted and established in love? Let's look at that first one, confidence in their condition. Confidence in our condition Anthropologists, those who study humanity, would tell us that there's a human condition. A condition that, regardless of where you are in the world, regardless of anything about your culture, your heritage, your upbringing, there's something deep inside every human that connects us. We have a human condition. And the unsurprising and harsh reality is that condition is flawed. There's a flaw in the human condition. I mean, it's backed up by the scripture, isn't it? Romans 3.23, you'll probably know it well. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is a flaw within the human condition. But friends, the wonderful, beautiful, simple gospel is that there is another condition. There's another condition. Take you back to about 2010. I'm sat one evening watching the Commonwealth Games. I think it was in Delhi in India. My little son, Jacob, Jacob's not with us today. Matt and Samar and Joe, my wife, but Jacob's back at home. Too cool to come with me this weekend uh, because there isn't an Xbox in the hotel room. That was what it was, really. Um, Jacob is about five or six years old. I'm sat watching the Commonwealth Games and uh, Jacob comes and he sits on my knee and he's watching the Commonwealth Games with me. He's, he's, he's fascinated by what's happening. Matt's laughing. <laughs> this is about your brother, Matt. Um, Jacob sat there. He's fascinated by these events happening. He's asking me all sorts of questions. Daddy, what's she doing? And there was someone doing, I don't know, the long jump. What are they doing? They're running all these different activities. And then they broke into the coverage of the, the sports happening for a medal ceremony. And Jacob was just fascinated by this. So these th- three women, who've first, second, and third, come out, and they take to this medal, Rostrum. And he's saying, Daddy, what's happening? And I'm explaining. They, these are the winners, Jacob. They've won their race, uh, and now they're going to get a medal. Who smiles and looks? Is it, is it good, Dad? Is this a good thing? Yes, it's a good thing. Like, they've been given a medal. It's special. So these three women take to the Rostrum. They get their medals, and then the um, the anthem starts. And as soon as the national anthem of the winner started, the winner of the gold medal burst into tears. Jacob couldn't It's like, what's happening? Daddy, you've just told me this is special. And she's crying. What's happening? So I say, Jacob, she's crying because she's been given something very special. She's, she's just so happy that it's, it's made her cry. She's, she's overwhelmed. And I tried to explain to a six-year-old boy what being overwhelmed meant. Well, he takes this on, fair enough. A couple of minutes later, he's just starting to nod off to sleep. And he puts his little head on my chest. And I think he's gone to sleep. And then he startles me. Daddy, somebody's speaking to me, he says. Now, this is quite a moment because he's had his head on my chest. Now, I'm thinking... I hope this is a Samuel moment. Like he's hearing God speak. Or there's something going on inside of me, which is quite scary. Or Jacob's a bit mad. Like what, like what Jacob says next is key to this moment. I said, Jacob, what's it saying? So he puts his head back down. Daddy, it's saying, bum, 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 <laughs> bum. Panic over. He's not like Samuel. I've not got a demon in me. Jacob's not a psychopath, we're good. (laughs) Jacob, that's my heartbeat. He goes, yeah, I know it's your heartbeat. That wasn't what I was saying. Daddy, what does it say? Oh, how would you answer that? So I thought for a moment and said the first thing that came into my head. Daddy, Jacob, Jacob. My heartbeat says, I, I love you, Jacob. And he loved it, the smile on his face. Heartbeat says, I love you, Jacob. And I said to him, Jacob, what does your heartbeat say? And he tries to get his little head to his own chest. <laughs> <laughs> he tries for a moment, realizes he can't. Beaming smile on his face, he looks up at me. And the most beautiful moment, never forget it, Daddy, my heartbeat says, I love you, Daddy. Oh, my word. I burst into tears. <laughs> I'm in bits. Just loving Jacob, loving the moment, and and loving this this glimpse of the way that God loves me in that moment. I'm crying my eyes out. Jacob turns around, looks at me, and says, Daddy, you're crying because you've been given something special. (laughs) Oh, my word. I was away. Do you think in that moment, I was concerned with Jacob's human condition? Do you think in that moment I cared about the flaws that were potential in Jacob's life? I mean, of course I didn't. What mattered in that moment was that a father's heart said, I love you, child. And the child's heart echoed back, I love you, daddy. Rooted and established in love means we can be absolutely confident. In our condition. And our condition, your condition this morning is loved. You are loved. Friends, you're loved beyond measure. You're loved more than you could possibly understand. You are loved. Told to be ashamed. We sang it a moment ago. I've been told to be ashamed. You're loved. I've been told I'm not enough. You're loved. John 1 says this. John 1, 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. You think about your past. Your blood runs cold. You are loved. You feel you've let God down. You were never holding him up. You're loved. (laughs) You feel like you don't deserve a second chance. You did nothing to deserve the first one. You didn't have to. You are loved. And there's nothing that can separate you from that love. This is a passage you know well, I'm sure. Romans eight 38, 9. I'm convinced that neither life nor death, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, or anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God is in christ jesus you are loved and love changes everything i had the privilege of uh, being with the archbishops of canterbury and york get me on a uh, wednesday they were <laughs> some people booed then <laughs> wow well, did not expect that i thought you'd think i was amazing because i've been with those boys you booed at them. Um, They've done a report, spent two years on it. It's a brilliant report. We've been involved with Safe Families, talking about families and households and what makes families and households thrive. You know what the answer is? You know what the conclusion they came to after two years? Love matters. Amen. Love matters. Know your condition. When you're rooted and established in love, you can be absolutely confident in your condition as loved. Point two, compelled to compassion. When we're rooted and established in love, we can't help but show compassion to those around us. Why is that? Well, it's because God's love isn't just a a feeling. It's not just a status. We're not just loved. The love is a tangible force that moves and shapes us. It stares us to action. Love in the kingdom of God is both noun and verb. We can be stirred to action. And one of the hallmarks of knowing that you are rooted and established in love is that you are moved to compassion. And I already know that as a church, loads of you have compassion for BCP. It flows out of you. It's one of the reasons it's such a privilege to be here. Your love for this community is breathtaking and there's something you've built something special here. There's something special going on here. Joe and I mentioned it when we come in. Something's happening here. It's special. And it has the potential, I think, to be very special for this community. It says in one John four, seven, eight, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not love God, because God is love. And one John four nineteen. We are loved because he first, we love because he first loved us. When those who are rooted and established in love see need, they are compelled to show compassion. And the Gospels are full of accounts where Jesus himself sees need and sees hurt, and his heart wells with compassion. And that's the calling on us, where we see need, show our compassion. The thing is as well as that Jesus sees your need this morning. He sees your hurt. And as much as we're called to show compassion to others, Jesus wants to show deep compassion to you this morning. If you're hurting, if you're in need, Jesus is compassionate for you and for those needs. When you see need, you show compassion. And if not, why not? There's the challenge to us. If being rooted and established in love means that we're compelled to compassion, and when we see need, we don't have that sense of compassion, then there's a challenge for us to consider what that means for us, isn't there? And I lay that down as a challenge to you. My final point before we move on to some time in ministry. Committed to our calling. Max Ricardo, in the applause of heaven... Describes his threadbare jumper that sits in his wardrobe. The colours are a bit off. It's looking a bit ropey, and in truth, much like I feel, the uh, the size of the jumper and the size of his waist are no longer in alignment. Uh, he says the jumper is never, ever going to come out the wardrobe, but he's never going to throw it away. Why will he never throw the jumper away? Well, because his mum knitted it for him with love. And his mum's no longer with us. Functionally, the jump is useless, but the value isn't in the function. The value is in something else. The value is in who it was created by. The value is in the love in which it was created. And yet, the jumper was still created for a function. It still had a purpose. The same is true for us. Your value isn't in your function. Your value isn't in what you do. But there is something for you to do. There is a purpose on your lives. A unique calling upon you to do something incredible. Ephesians 2.10 says, you're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you and you alone to do. When we're rooted and established in love, It means we can commit to our own personal calling. Why is that? Because when we're absolutely confident of our condition and when we're compelled to compassion, it frees us up from going after somebody else's calling. There's a unique calling on your life. God's created something for you to do. Something for you to do which frees us up from going after the thing that the guy I'm envious is doing. It frees me up from doing the things that the world tells me I need to do. Go make money, go do this, go do that. I want to be like him. I want his garden, I want his car. We can be free from that because our value isn't in those things. Our value is in our creator and his love for us. And that means we can go after the calling upon our lives. Throw off those things that hinder you. Throw off the things that hold you back. You know this from Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Those who are rooted and established in love can be confident in their condition. They are compelled to compassion. And they are committed to their calling. You might ask how. And I've got one minute left. And it's only a one minute answer. The words take one minute. Putting the words into action will take a lifetime. How are we rooted and established in love? Simply by spending time with the source of that love. It's a throwaway comment. But it has the deepest significance for our lives and for this church And for our community, spend time with the source of love. Amen. Thank you.